This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Here with Scott Eklund postgame. Up here at the visiting coaches booth, which is kind of ironic because we did get a chance to talk to a, a former Washington assistant coach up in the press box. He wasn't quite here. I think he was on he the sidelines. He was on the sidelines, yeah. But uh, Arizona came in, and they played really, really, really well. But there was one guy who played way better than anybody else, and that was Michael Penix, throwing for a school record, 516 yards, four touchdowns, and Washington outlasts Arizona 49-39. Initial thoughts, Mr. Eklund? Um Great offensive day. Um, two records were set in the in the game. Um, Michael Penix with the most yards passing in a game, and Romo Dunsey becomes the first Husky wide receiver in program history to ever catch um, at least 100 yards receiving in four straight games. Yeah, so and everyone was worried about him because he and there yeah. was there was three other guys that had gotten 100 yards yeah. in receiving the first two games of the season, and it wasn't Rome mm-hmm. and. Rome, I'd say he responded pretty well. Yeah, I think he did. Um, but, I, you know, as far as the overall first thoughts, great offensive day. I don't know what to say about the defense, Chris. But we, um, we, we yeah. kind of knew it was going to be basketball we, and grass, We right? did. We did. It's just, it's real hard to watch. And especially when it isn't like, I mean, Jaden DeLara was making guys miss in the backfield, keeping plays alive, and guys are having to cover a lot longer than they normally would. Um, but you just see so many mistakes by by the by Cam Bright, by uh, Asa Turner, by Cam Fabi Kulan, and these are guys who are veterans. And Alex Cook taking bad angles. Now, granted, he hasn't played safety that long, but he still has a lot of experience, and he's still taking bad angles. So it's just it's really frustrating to watch, and I and I get why people are frustrated by it, but. Man, just enjoy a, a record-setting day by Michael Penix. It's, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. And again, I think everyone knew it was going to be a track meet. Mm-hmm. I think everybody, uh, all of our predictions, I think, had Washington scoring at least in the 40s, and they score 49. Yeah. But I think we also knew that they were going to score at least probably four touchdowns. I think someone maybe had 27 or 28 points. I had 41-31. What did you have? I don't remember off the top of my head. I had Washington winning by six, though. I think it was something like 42 to... 36 or something like okay. that. Okay, and you wouldn't necessarily have been wrong until the yeah. final until the final score because they had gotten it down to three points. Yep. It was 42-39. Yep. And that's where I'm sure the Washington fans were kind of going, okay, here we go again. This is one of those, this is one of those times where they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to keep the lead. But 
give credit to the oh, to the defense yeah. when it really mattered. They yeah. stepped up and they were uh, they were counted on. Yeah. So Jeremiah Martin gets a sack on the so his second sack of the day um, got got his uh, second sack of the day on I think it was third down or second down was when he got his sack and then Void Tanufi just comes off like a beast yeah. off of his edge gets a sack and. Forces Jaden Delar to leave the game. Yeah. And then uh, the backup comes in and ZTF gets pressure on him. He didn't get the sack, but forced him to drop it down and, and uh, the that it was short to the it was incomplete. Yeah. They settle for the field goal, and when the snap happens, the holder it's a high snap, so the holder doesn't have time to get the ball down and spin it. Yeah. And so he kicks the laces and it goes wide left and that was basically the rest of the game. Classic Ace Ventura. Laces yeah. out. Yeah. Laces out. It totally was. Wow. And that, but again, you, you talk about Jeremiah Martin, defensive player of the game. You talk about Voitufi coming up big inside. And then you also Zion, Tupola, Fatui. Those were the edge players that I thought really stepped up and made a difference. Braylon Trice had moments. He almost got taken out for targeting, but the referees decided uh-huh. that it wasn't a, a targeting call. So uh, that was good. But in, in, it's interesting because you see some of the other scores around the country, for instance. Everyone's talking about Alabama losing 52-49. to 49. When Washington wins a game now, 49-39, to 39, everyone says, oh, it's Mountain West football or it's something like that. And that's all well and good. I just think that it's – and I said this earlier in the week, Scott. I just think Washington's defense has been so good for so long, Washington fans are just – their heads are spinning at just how bad this defense is. And we warned is. them ahead of time of what could happen. Well, and everyone, and again, just look at the predictions. The predictions had Washington essentially winning a basketball game. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand the frustration. I understand the venting. I just don't want to be, I just, I just the surprise maybe kind of gets me mm-hmm. a little bit. Why are people surprised at this? You didn't see it happen at UCLA. You didn't see it happen at Arizona State. The same things are happening. Mm-hmm. It's just that in this particular game, they were able to make some really good plays at the end to salt away yeah. the win. And, and like I said, I, I'm no Nostradamus. I don't, you know, I just try to watch the game like everyone else does. But I really felt like if Washington could get off to an early start, hold them off a little bit, and then maybe make some key stops or force Delora into some bad throws at the end, that would probably spell the difference. And I had them winning by 10. They ended up winning by 10. They, they did make Delora, um, they got him, and, and unfortunately, I think he is banged up. I don't know how severe it is. Jacob Cowling actually got mm-hmm. hurt. He came back in the game, which I he thought He did, was, I didn't know he that. He did, okay. which was good to see. But, you know, they, I think Especially kinda, when he didn't put any weight on that correct, when he was coming off. Correct, yeah. And um, But to, to be honest with you, I, I think it kind of played out exactly how I expected it. I don't know if you feel the same way. I did. I, I thought it was going to be kind of a last guy, last team with the with the ball wins the game. Yeah. It wasn't quite to that extent, but it was. I mean, it. But I mean, Chris, you just see so many fundamental mistakes on the defensive side of the ball, and you're just like, what? What does it gonna? Is it gonna take for you guys to figure this out? Because you really have to figure out something on this. Yeah. So I'm just like Kim. Yeah, just like Kim. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some of the statistics. Um, he's uh, uh, a family thing going on this weekend for him, so that's good. Uh, nothing wrong there. No, nope. don't worry. You know he's doing just fine. He'll be back this he's coming. He's becoming week. a dad. Yeah, he'll, <laughs> no, no, that ain't it. <laughs> no, no, it is, that is not, not happening. Not happening. But just some basic, just some basic uh, statistics. 
Washington had 79 yards on the ground compared to 126 for Arizona. But Washington, again, school record, 516 yards passing. That breaks the 21-year-old record by Cody Pickett, who had 455 yards against, against Arizona in 2001. And then, uh, but Arizona also had 400 yards passing on the dot with Jaden Delora. So that was a total of 595 yards for Washington compared to 526 for Arizona. Time of possession was basically even. It was like 31 and change for, um, for Washington, 28 and change for Arizona. I was a little surprised that they, took the, they won the toss, but I was surprised that they didn't take the ball initially. But as it turns out, the way that they do these things – they want to win that first quarter. They want to get off to a good start. And then they want to win what they call that middle eight, which is the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half. They did that. They scored mm-hmm. yep. going into halftime. They scored coming out of halftime, which I thought was the real difference in the game. A lot of people may think that that onside kick attempt by Arizona to start the third quarter may be the play of the game. And that's what, Well, that's what I put it as. Right. And I, point. I, I don't disagree necessarily because I know a lot of people are going to say that smacks of desperation by Arizona. I don't know if you keep if if you if you if you get a team napping, that might be yeah. that might be a that may look like a brilliant well, play. The way side. the way I explained it was, I think Jed Fish might argue with you that hey, they were scoring. I mean, we were able to force a punt and force them to have two fourth down misses inside our red zone. But other than that, we haven't been able to stop these guys. Yeah. So does it really matter if I'm making them go fifty yards? Or 75. 75. Yeah. Is, it, is it really making that much of a difference? And I'm actually giving us a chance to get the ball back and steal a possession. That's I was, I was gonna, that was a great point. I was just about to say, they've got to figure out a way to steal a possession or two mm-hmm. so that they can come back. Because at that time, it was 21-14 yeah, and, at the half. And the reason why I called that the play of the game and the turning point was because Washington was able to go down and get that juggling catch from Roman Dunsey. Yeah. And they go up by 14, and basically they were able to hold that uh, two-score lead all the way until 10 minutes left in the game. 9.51, I think, is what it was, was when they scored and came within three. But then Washington was able to come down and get the score, that big score with uh, Cam Davis going for, what, 24 yards or 23 yards, whatever yeah, 19, it was. I think it was 19, but yeah, either way, it was, it was. that was kind of a backbreaker. Yeah. And, and then they were able to kind of pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, and that's why they were able to get those two um, sacks late in that series. Yeah. So. And, and obviously, you don't ever want to see a quarterback get hurt. I know there's a lot of Washington yeah. fans that are kind of like, screw it. Yeah, it's you know, Jaden Lara. The, yeah, yeah. He planted the flag, blah, 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 whatever. I'm not, I, don't think that's a, yeah. I don't think that's a way to think about it at all. I, well, the way I would think about it is he gets hurt. Now, all of a the backup comes in. You've got to take care of the backup this time like you didn't take care of the backup at Arizona State. And granted, two totally different situations. This guy was only in for a play, and they were able to, to, to force the field goal attempt, mm-hmm. which, again, you know, when it comes down to special teams, they both miss a field goal, so it's kind of a wash there as well. Uh, but you talked about Ardenzi. Let, let me go down the individual stats real quick uh, for you guys. Michael Panix again, 516 yards. He went 36 of 44 for 516, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Jaden Delora went 25 of 34 for 400 yards, four touchdowns, no interception. But the main difference, he was sacked four times. Michael Penix was not sacked yeah. at all. Uh, for rushing yards for Washington, 
Cameron Davis, eight carries for 41 yards, two touchdowns. Sam Adams, six carries for 20 yards. Wayne Talapapa, 10 carries for 18 yards. And then receiving, obviously the numbers are going to be off the charts here, led by Roma Dunzi, nine, nine uh, receptions for 169 yards, two touchdowns along a 48. Uh, uh, Jaden McMillan, Jalen McMillan was six for 77 for a touchdown along of 12, which was interesting. He was yeah. more, more kind of the possession Intermediate guy Intermediate possession guy. Yeah. yeah, Jack Westover, 5 for 49, long of 26. Wayne Talapapa, 5 for 42, long of 27. Uh, Jalen Polk, 4 for 95, long of 45, which was... He didn't long. catch any passes in the second half. Then. Yeah, and then, well, and then he also had the one down the sideline that yeah. was negated by... I think the only, literally the only holding call of the night. On was the that his? Line. I thought that was ja- uh, Giles Jackson. Uh, may have been. I, I thought, thought that it was, that was Giles Jackson. Okay, so maybe yeah. I'm getting those confused. Yeah. Um, Giles Jackson, speaking of Giles Jackson, 3 for 49, long of 27. Sam Adams, 2 for 14, long of 10 with a touchdown. Four his yards, first, yeah. His first career touchdown. And then Devin Culp, 1 for 11 yards. Taj Davis, 1 for 10. Um, and then the big three guys for uh, Arizona receiving the ball. Uh, Tedaroa McMillan, who's going to be a thorn in everyone's side for the next couple years. Seven for 132, two touchdowns. Jacob Cowan, again, seven for 94. And Dorian Singer, six for 99 and one touchdown as well. Uh, Breaking down some quick defensive stats. Um, First for Arizona, DJ Worrell, and I think he's a UCLA guy, Mm -hmm. Worrell. 11 tackles and half a tackle for loss. Jacob Manu, 10 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. For Washington, the leader, and again, we talked about a defensive player of the game, uh, Jeremiah Martin, nine tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Alex Cook had eight tackles. Jordan Perryman had eight tackles, and he was running around all over the place. Mm-hmm. Asa Turner, six tackles. Cam Bright, three tackles. And then the big the big guys inside, each had two tackles apiece. Zion, Voy, Thule, and Zion and Voy had the two sacks. At the end, and then Tuli had a big tackle for loss as well. Mm-hmm. So that kind of breaks down the individual stuff. Just going to the beginning of the game, we had uh, a bunch of guys out. I mean, no Richard Newton, no uh, obviously Cameron Williams. He's been uh, kind of well documented now. Dominic Campton, no Dominic Campton, which was the big news of the mm-hmm. of the day. Um, so what they did is because they had Asa Turner back, they just had Asa and Alex Cook as the safeties. They brought Cam Fab back yeah. in the Husky position. Mm-hmm. Do you? Th- I mean, that seemed kind of a natural fit, right? It did, yeah. And I think that you know, I mean, it's not like Don Dom Hampton was lighting the world on fire when he was when he was in there. But um, boy, Cameron Fabi Kalan, and I, I don't know what his best spot is, but man, it's he's had some some tough times uh, in coverage. He got uh, McMillan made a great catch over him. But but he was in good cover. He was in good position on it. He just, he just failed. Got yeah, got out jumped for it. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I yes, it was. It seemed like the natural move. And just to let people know, that's our guy Josh Watkin, our intern, who's just he's been busy doing some transcri- transcribing, helping us out a lot tonight. Um, Josh, what did you? What was your take of kind of the the what do you call it? Robbing Peter to pay Paul or the. The the musical chairs of Washington's defensive backfield. Um, I think in this case, with all the struggles that our defense has had, really you don't want to. I mean, you want to avoid kind of like moving people around as much as possible. I know injuries have kind of forced people's hands and have forced people to play positions that aren't necessarily natural. But it was the obvious switch to move Asa and Alex. 
back into the safety spot, which I don't think they've played together back there since Portland State. No, Portland State. Yeah, they yeah. did the first, first two games. Yeah. This was the seventh different back nickel base that they've had all season. Seven yeah. different lineups for seven games. See, that's, that, that's wild. So, I don't know. It's, I mean, that's why, to be honest with you, there's a lot of people calling for the defensive coordinator's heads, a lot of venting, even after a win. And it's, again, there are people talking about Nick Holt making comparisons. That's fine, whatever it is. My only feeling on that is, okay, so you change out the coaches. How is that going to change your personnel problems right now? You've got big personnel problems right now. So, you know, their counter may be, well, they're not getting coached up. Well, okay. But you're talking about a lot of young guys. I mean, Devon Banks and Javion Green played a bunch tonight. Um, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see uh, Tristan Dunn, which I thought, I would, I thought yeah, we were going to yeah, see yeah, more of Tristan Dunn. I thought I was gonna, we were going to see more of, of Javon Parker. But again, with Thule back <coughs> and available, I think that meant that they did not have to uh, we use did see the Javon freshman. toward the end. Yes, he did play yeah. some. Yeah, yeah. I, I just expected maybe we would see more and maybe not so much that he would play as much as ASU, but that he, now that he kind of got his feet wet, that he would get more uh, more snaps, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, and um, one of the reporters next that was sitting up next to me, he's he's noted that when Javion Green got in the game, that was him officially burning his red shirt yeah. because that was his fifth game. And I think no one's going to dispute that that's got to happen. I, we, I, I even said, was there any concern that he wasn't going yeah. to? I mean, now, Tristan but, Dunn might be an interesting case yeah. because if he's if he doesn't make it in a game like this. Yeah. How do you yeah, when you yeah. what did those conversations? Well, how sound many games like has he played in? How many games? I just he know played? he played the ASU game a bunch. Um, I'm he, sure he, he probably s- did some mop up. Yeah. Has he done special teams at all? Yeah, yeah he could have. Yes. I'd have to go back and look to be honest. But yeah. um, even if he's played mop up against Portland State um, or Kent State, what have you, uh, he might be right on the cusp too. Because if he plays, you know, let's say he's played in two or three games already, mm-hmm. he just needs. Two more games, and he's he's burned his red shirt. So, could you see him playing in two more games now that they've got five more left? Who yeah, knows? yeah, I could, yeah. I could see a situation. Um, um, I just hope the, that if that does happen, that they really let it go. Yeah. You know, kind of cut him loose yeah. and, and let him off the leash. McKellestein did have did come in also for. Um, he's not a true freshman, obviously, but yeah. he came in for Alex Cook when he lost his helmet. So. It is kind of interesting though, because as, as much as they're struggling in the secondary, it certainly doesn't feel. Now, maybe you guys disagree with me on this, but it doesn't feel to me like they're just rolling guys out there like they're throwing stuff against the wall yeah, to see what no, sticks. Yeah. It feels like they still have a plan. They're still trying to get these guys to make plays. It's just that when they – now, first of all, congratulations to Arizona to a certain extent. They threw all sorts of crossing routes at these guys. And so the, the, the DBs like Banks and Perryman and those guys, they were trailing a lot of those Arizona receivers all day long. Yeah. And guess what, guys? That's happened all year so far, and it's going to continue to happen because those Arizona receivers – are three of the best, I think, as a group that we're going to see all year. Uh, not just on the West Coast, too. I think those guys have shown themselves, especially like McMillan. I mean, there were a couple times he had the one where they, they called it uh, incomplete, ended up being a touchdown, where he's literally going up over Cam Fab, I think it was. Cam Fab's what, 6'2", 6'3"? And he just literally jumps over the top of him and takes it down. I mean, he's gonna, he is like going to be the master of those 50-50 balls. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think I really have a lot of respect for those guys, I think they did a fantastic job, and obviously Delora does a fantastic job of getting them the ball. 
I was just a little worried early in the game that it felt like, you know, I know they have to pick their poison. I know it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't with a guy like Delora, because if you do bring a lot of pressure, he's going to try to find that one-on-one guy. And if you don't, he's going to find those lanes, mm-hmm. and he's going to cut you up that way too. I just felt like they weren't really, they weren't really containing things in the box. It felt like the edge guys were coming out really wide, and that just gave all sorts of, of avenues for yeah. him to just pick and choose if he couldn't find anybody downfield. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to some extent, I would say that Delora's ability just to extend plays and move around with his feet does allow a sense of Im- improvising out there, which does make that extremely hard to cover. But, I mean, like you were saying, those guys were running – those guys were running wide open. That's definitely a talented squad over there. But I definitely thought I definitely thought UW was its best when they would drop back. And I think it was Chris. I think it was Chris Mole. Maybe was yep. stayed back as a spy. And I yeah, thought I thought that was their, I thought that was their best option because when they had their edge guys, they were just flying in, heads down, huh. just like not really collapsing the pocket at all, but just going wide and just letting them kind of run. Yeah, he would just duck in yeah. under, and all those guys were all of a sudden washed out of the exactly. play. Exactly. So I think. I think schematically, they probably could have done a better job of synchronizing their pressures to better help their lacking secondary, which they knew was a problem going in. So that's kind of my take on it. I think one of the things that honestly, and and this will probably drive some Washington fans nuts, but one thing I will really give the Washington defensive coaches credit for is that, yeah, they tried to show a lot of defensive looks and they showed some pressures and whatnot, but when they did try to spy Delora... They did it with a number of guys. Yeah. You talk about Mole. I remember early on, Asa was spying on him. Um, I don't know if Bright was trying to spy on him a little bit or some of the other linebackers. But it felt to me like those spies were coming from different areas. Because you could really easily see when he all of a sudden wanted to tuck it and try to make a play with his mm-hmm. legs. There were some times where he'd go a few yards and all of a sudden he'd kind of go, okay, now what am I going to yeah. do? Yeah. Because he had bodies that he was going to have to deal with. So I, I understand where they were coming from on that. I just thought there were too many times where he was able to really take and neutralize the edges really effectively by just stepping up a couple yards. And whether that meant just giving him time to throw the ball downfield or use his legs and, and run as well, you know, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. But he's, he's been doing that to teams all year long. Well, um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Chris and I saw it had it because we both had our binoculars right on it when uh, Thule was coming up behind him. Yeah. And he didn't see him. He just felt him. And he spun out of it. It was down here in the in the east end zone. Uh, I don't know what about the 15, 20. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it was. It was. I, yeah. How many, how many times is Thule going to find himself literally almost kind of unabated to the quarterback on the blind side? I know. It was, I'm sure he was just salivating. And he just spun right out of it, and it was like, oh, poor Thule. <laughs> but, there were, but there were a couple other times early, too, where I, th- I saw guys like Trias or Morton or some of these other guys with like two, a Tupatala had like a, a crash in the middle, and he was trying to get in, and all he did was just do a little slide to Laura, and he was able to elude a couple guys and then come down. I think maybe he only got four or five yards. It wasn't a huge deal, but it's like those are kind of the plays you have to make with him. When you get your hands on a guy like that, you've got to put him down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to get him on the ground. And, yes, four sacks against that guy, I know that's not going to sound like a lot, but when you add the fact that they really didn't try to crash him all the time, and they really did try to vary up their looks and their pictures to him, mm-hmm. I thought they did a nice job there. Again, 400 yards of, of passing, that's never going to be good enough for anybody. Yeah. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What I want to do now is let's focus on the other main storyline, which we kind of broke down a little bit in the beginning. Did it ever look to you guys like Washington was ever going to get stopped? Well, to me, I'm sorry. Because they stopped themselves. No, they stopped they themselves, stopped on, themselves on the two fourth downs. They yeah. did have the punt yeah. that they, that they uh, let go of. And, um, but in the second half, the only time they didn't score – on a drive was when Peyton Henry missed the 47 yard field goal. Right. Other than that, they, and that's my fault because <laughs> I said, I said fault. to Josh, this is not the time when he needs to miss his first one of the season. And that was so, disappointing. Yeah. It was kind of like, Oh, well, there's yeah. hardly any wind down there. It's, it's a dry day. Yeah. I mean, there's no, but it's not a chip shot. It's a, what, it's not 47, it's 47 yards. yards. Yeah. It's, it's not an easy kick, but you, you've grown to expect him to make those yeah. at the same time. I, I expect him to make, and those. he was perfect yeah. going into it. 12, so, 12, of 12, something like that. And yeah, and it, it almost kind of, but it's almost to me, like if you're the coach on the sideline, now you're thinking I'm kind of damned if I do damned if I don't, yeah. because all the fans are going to rip you a new one by not taking the field goals early in the game instead of getting the ball turned over on fourth down. I don't think the fans would were upset with his decision to kick the field goal. Oh, no, I no, no, no. Think, I'm just saying. I think they were more pissed off about him not taking the points earlier yes. earlier in the game. No, for sure, because instead of instead of it being, what, 21-14, it could have been 27-14. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then possibly 34-14 because yeah. you get the – Opening kickoff. But it is, it is fascinating, guys, because if you think about it, the conventional wisdom is even if you're an aggressive, you have an aggressive mindset as a coaching staff and as an offensive play caller, still early in the game, you've almost always kind of traditionally wanted to take the points. You've wanted to set the marker. You wanted to get up two scores. These are things that all would have happened. But yet at the same time, I almost get the sense from Ryan Grubb and these play calls, the things that he wants to do. I, th- I think he's I think he's giving them a direct challenge, and he's trying to instill something in these guys. It's like it doesn't matter whether it's the first quarter or the last drive of the game where you need to score to win. You have to be able to execute when it's fourth and one or fourth and two. You've just got to be able to make that play. And so maybe it's a, an early situation where it's low leverage, you're still up, so maybe this is an opportunity where you can kind of make a statement or you can kind of make it a coaching moment. And you can kind of go, guys, this is, these are the kind of plays that will define the rest of our season. Mm-hmm. And these can be the kinds of plays that determine whether or not we win or lose. And I, again, so confused ultimately by the play calling in the sense that it doesn't feel 
They're going side to side all the time. It doesn't, this is a team that was given up 230 yards on the ground running the ball. And you're just not, atta- you're not you're, why aren't you telling guys like Jackson Kirkland, Henry Bainavalu, Corey Luciano, all these guys to just say, just literally drive the hell out of the guys in the middle and we'll, we'll, we'll get the two yards. I don't know how you guys are seeing it, but that's how I'm seeing it. I, I was confused myself with the play calls, especially because I feel like you. I feel like that offense is at its best when they use the space available to them, mm-hmm. and they they use crossing patterns. They just they get guys open. Yeah. They they use different uh, they use different patterns and screens and stuff. Just just random assortments of just movement to just try and get people open and just create space. Yeah. And yet, I feel like both those play calls were just pitches to the even the yeah. short side of the field, which I mean. What they were like four or five yard conversions, and I was very confused on why what had been working, what worked really the entire second half, and what worked up into that was just getting guys in space and just letting your playmakers kind of go to work. Yeah, so. I, I will say that you know, and again, I, I'm, I'm trying to give the coaches some credit here, and I think Grubb deserves credit. He wasn't stubborn about it. He didn't, you know. Granted, they only they only ran for seventy some yards. Why do you care how much you run? When your guy literally is setting a school record. Yeah. And Arizona literally has no answers for it. Yeah. yeah. And they never had an yeah. answer for it. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about these teaching moments and all this stuff. He understood going into the second half because you saw a lot of third and ones, third and twos, third and threes or whatever, and they were passing. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they weren't trying to do this thing where, like, come or hell or high water, we're going to be a power running team when we need to be. No, you don't. Because Arizona is not giving you anything in there in the box, but they're giving you all sorts of room all over the field outside the box. So take advantage of it. So in that sense, they tried it a couple times. It didn't work. Frustrating for sure. I, you know, obviously uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, you have to you have to uh, take the points early on. I think I think that's just kind of. In the in the in the main book, not their book, the main book of football. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, again, it's you know, like I said, it's, it's you know, we're all backseat coordinators at this point, yeah. and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Do you kind of want to wrap up, uh, kind of what you thought about the game overall, Scott? Well, I'll wrap it up. Um, my at least my thoughts. Um, awesome offense, poor defense, and people are just going to need to get used to it because it's going to be this way the rest of the season and. Um, you know, Arizona's got an explosive offense, so you know, give it up to them a little bit. I think even For Jimmy sure. Lake or Pete Kwiatkowski's defense would have given up probably 300, 350 yards to this team. But, um, that being said, I, you know, Washington is they're gonna struggle on defense, it's just gonna be the way it is. And uh, Washington now has five wins, they're five and two. They probably won't be ranked, but maybe I guess you just never know, but um, they probably won't be ranked, but. Who cares about that right now? Just get to yourself to be in bowl eligible and then work on it from there. Yep. Josh Watkins, take us home. Um, kind of similar to what Scott said, just kind of that one and all mentality, taking it one week at a time. And it's definitely good. It's definitely good for team morale and just culture in general, just to get back in the win column, mm-hmm. get ahead, and then just keep propelling forward. I mean, it's got to be a good feeling that even with your defensive struggles, you know you're going to put up close to 40 points a game, and you know that number nine is going to keep you in it. And and they're playing a team that just lost to the worst team in the conference. Now it's on the road, it's at it, but it's on turf, so it's not on grass. And, um, you know, Washington has a chance to, to get a win, and, and then they come back home. 
on on a short week to face off with Oregon State. So that, that's going to be a fun two weeks over the next couple weeks. I believe I believe the Oregon State's coming off a bye though. So they might be, but yeah, I think, I think they'll have some extended time there. But that's awesome. <laughs> well, bottom line is they've got one more week to go before their bye week, so they'll be at Cal. That'll obviously every game now from now on is going to be tough, contested. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, Cal lost to Colorado. Doesn't you know what? Throw that how out the window. Times, how many times has a team who's fired their head coach coming off a bye week where they can regroup and they're playing just for themselves? How often have we seen upsets? I'm yeah. just, just all look at the ASU. time. Look at ASU exactly. two weeks ago. Well, or boom. a week ago. Yeah. See, enter. <laughs> Thinking. Yeah. Smart guy okay. over here. So I'll wrap it up by saying they're one game away from being bowl eligible. As weird as that already sounds. Because you know when you talk, when you think of four and eight, you think of all the things that are going wrong defensively, all that stuff. Hey guys, they're five and two right now, and they are playing as good an offensive football as we've seen since 2016, easily. And so, I think you have to take it to the bank. I think you have to understand that these these games are going to be basketball and grass. It's going to be a situation where the defense they may be giving up some yards, they may be giving up some points, but they've got to get those turnovers, they got to get those stops, they got to get those sacks that can turn those into three and outs or turn those into punts and, and change of possessions. Those are the things that are going to really matter for this defense going forward because you're definitely not going to change anything in this next week because they're, they're going to be super banged up going into Cal, and then you've got the bye week where they can really get healthy. Maybe you get Mish Powell back. Could they even see a guy like Edifuano Lafoscio? I was wondering that too myself. We have no I idea. I, I don't know if he's even practicing or anything right now at this point. It might be it might be just pure speculation, but you might be starting to get some guys back. I mean, we started to see. We didn't really talk about Ulamula Ale, but he played a little bit today. He's he's still playing a little bit more and more all the time. So there are guys that are coming back defensively, and hopefully that continues. Hopefully they don't have any setbacks. Hopefully no no one else gets hurt. Hopefully they can bring back Hampton. Hopefully they can bring back Mish Powell. So that said, to come with a 10, 10 point win. It's kind of what I what I expected was going to happen. Yet, I think if you're a coach, if you're the coaches at Washington, you're thinking, "Hey, so much to clean up, so much to fix." But we're still, we're one to know. We accomplished what we wanted to, and now we have to go be road dogs again. And now they got to find that elusive first road win, yeah. and that's going to be obviously crucial because this is there's huge stakes for this guys. If they can get that win at Cal, now they're bowl eligible. Now they can really start chasing some goals postseason and otherwise, and I think that's crucial. That's huge. So let's just wrap it up there. Just to let you guys know, too, reminder, if you want to get our daily updates, we just sent out a newsletter post game. Hopefully you're getting that, but if you don't, just send an email to huskystadium at gmail.com. That's huskystadium, one word, at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and that's all you have to do. Send it to us. We'll make sure you get sent, uh, put on the, the mailing list for the newsletter, and we're putting out at least one or two every day. And so go ahead and get on that. You'll get all the latest breaking news, all the latest stuff in terms of all the things we're working on right now in postgame. We got quotes coming up. We got audio coming up. We'll, have, we'll post this podcast ASAP. And then obviously it's, after that, we'll, uh, we'll work on some other things on Sunday. We got pro football focus stuff coming up. I know Great. Scott's going to have his game grades as well. And then we go into a really important week against Cal. And that, that, that will be uh, very telling to see how they come out of this game and prepare for that team. So for Scott Eklund, Josh Wodka, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs.
Begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 